Would you welcome Dave Phillips this morning? Thanks, Pastor. Appreciate it so much. Thank you, Pastor Russ. Well, it is wonderful to be here. Uh, we are a network of 85 churches throughout the great state of Montana, fourth largest state in the nation. And I'm so thankful that Connect Church is a part of that. Uh, you've got two of the, the greatest pastors in our network, Pastor Russ and Chris. And uh, I hope you realize that and just continue to love and appreciate them for who they are. Well, I, I'm excited to be here this morning. I loved uh, listening to the opening and some of the comments that were made. And I thought, wow, that's right in line with what I feel God has placed on my heart. So um, I'm just going to share with you this morning and hopefully challenge you. I, I want to talk to you for a little bit here about God ideas. Uh, you know, one of the things that I love when it comes to spiritual growth is understanding that it's absolutely critical that you and I learn to hear the voice of God. God is wanting to speak, and He speaks to us in a variety of ways. And, and we need to get to a place in our life where we recognize those ways so that we can move forward under His anointing and power. I think we're all familiar with the fact that God can speak to us audibly, although I think that's one of the, the least likely ways that God speaks. I became a Christian when I was 15 years old, and uh, for the past 50 years, I can honestly say that I have probably only heard God one time speak audibly. Some of you remember a few years ago, our Vice President Mike Pence was being interviewed by The View, and he made a statement that he loves to talk to God, and he loves it when God talks back to him. And Joy Bearer, who was on the show at that time, said uh, a little bit later on these words, she said, you know, it's one thing to talk to Jesus, it's another thing when Jesus talks to you. That's called mental illness, if I'm not correct. It's called hearing voices. Well, how many of you have ever heard the audible voice of God? Okay, quite a few of you. That's pretty cool. I was um, 16 years old, and I had a, a good friend in my church uh, named Solon Short, who was 17. And Solon was injured in a horse riding accident and actually put on life support. This was somebody I had never met anyone like him that had such a love for God. He just radiated the presence of the Lord, carried a big black Bible to school every day. I went to a high school with 500 kids in each grade, and uh, I made the mistake one day of walking with him down the hallway, and it was, hey, Solon, hi, Solon, what's up, Solon? By the time I got to the end of the hallway, I was wore out with all the people that were greeting him. But uh, he was involved in this accident, and for the first time in my life, I really began praying for Solon. I stayed up several times into the night just interceding for him. And uh, one day I was standing out in the yard talking to some of my friends, and my mom pulled up. And uh, she said, hey, um, David, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but Solon just passed away. Well, I, I'll tell you, it just the tears started coming. I didn't want my friends to see me cry. And so I just said so long and headed right into the house. I walked into my bedroom and I shut the door. And with every ounce of my being, I threw my hands up and I said, God, why? I mean, it was critical. I, I was at that juncture where I didn't know if I was going to go on with God after that. But all of a sudden, I heard a voice. It was like surround sound. It came from every corner of my room. And the Lord simply said, 
so that others might be saved. A, a, a peace came over me because I knew, I mean, that was an audible voice that I had heard. The only time in my life I've ever heard that. Well, we had his funeral a um, week later. Literally hundreds of kids came from my high school. The church was packed. People were lined up around the outside walls. People were outside, way down the sidewalks. They couldn't get in. And uh, his dad was a very interesting individual. He was a welder by trade, um, never learned to read or write. He was loud and obnoxious as a non-Christian, and when he became a Christian, he was just as loud, only he was loud for Jesus. So like in church like this, if we had a prayer time, he'd be the one praying the loudest, weeping and wailing, and, and you know, just you could tell exactly where he was seated. Well, he stood up in the middle of the funeral and started speaking in tongues. I'd never experienced that in my entire life. Even looking back now, I've never experienced that during a funeral. And I slipped down in my chair, and I, I, I was just embarrassed to death because all my friends were there from high school. And I prayed, and I said, Lord, please shut his mouth. And it was as though someone leaned to me from the back row sitting behind me and said right into my ear, whispered into my ear, who are you to tell me what to do? Literally, the hair stood up on my arm. And I said, God, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't know it was you. Well, my pastor stood up and gave the interpretation to that tongue and gave an altar call, and kids literally leapt out of their chairs to run to the altar to give their lives to Christ. So I know God can speak to us audibly, but it doesn't happen a lot. I think one of the most prevalent ways that God speaks to us is through His Word, the Bible. We're, we're reading Scripture, and all of a sudden, something just stands out to it. It's like the Holy Spirit quickens that and, and says to us, this is a personal word for you. And, and you just know that the moment you read that, that God is trying to say something to you through His Word. I think we all know that God can speak to us in what Scripture calls a still, small voice or a whisper. Now, when somebody whispers to us, you have to lean in, don't you? You have to kind of cut out the background noise and lean in to hear what they're saying. And that's often how God speaks to us. God can speak to us through pain and sorrow. That's my least likely way that I have the Lord speak to me, but yet He does time and time again. He's got my attention. God can speak to us through other people. It was about a year after my friend Solon had passed away, and um, I was out in the yard working on a summer day. A sheriff's deputy pulled up and said, uh, are your parents here? And I said, no, they're on vacation. And he said, well, I have some, some important news to share with them. Um, your sister's just been involved in a, in a very severe accident about a mile, or excuse me, an hour and a half away on the freeway, and uh, I, I need to get a hold of your parents. Well, about that time, they pulled up in the driveway. Uh, he was able to walk over and share with them what happened. So all uh, myself and my parents, we just went right back into the car, and we drove an hour and a half uh, right outside of Boise, Idaho, and I went into the hospital and uh, walked right up to my sister. We're just a year apart. 
and she had her head completely bandaged. She had gone partially through the windshield of the car. They weren't wearing seat belts at the time, and, and the whole um, windshield had been severely cracked. And I went up to her, and I, I, I talked to her for a little bit, and she seemed to be doing pretty good. And um, then I stepped back to let my parents walk up, and uh, they did. And her very first question was, Where, where's Dave? How come he didn't come with you? I thought, wow. <laughs> I spent five minutes talking to her, and she, she didn't even know that it was me, I guess. Well, the doctor signaled us out into the hallway, and he said, um, she has severe amnesia. I don't know if she's ever going to recover from it. She's really got a lot of uh, swelling going on in her brain. It's a pretty serious situation. Well, my heart just dropped. I, I walked down the hallway of the hospital. I went out into the parking lot. It was late at night now. The stars were out. The moon was out. And I, I looked up, and I, I said, okay, God, where did you come from? I mean, everybody has to be born. Everybody has to have a beginning. So where did you come from? And, and I don't know why, but I, I thought, you know what? This is just a joke. This, this being a, a Christian, a follower of God, a follower of Jesus Christ, I, I don't think it's real. I think it's just something that uh, my parents taught me, and I, I just kind of believed it. With that, I went back in the hospital we left the next day, happened to be Sunday. Uh, we got home in the afternoon. Uh, my parents were getting ready to go to church, and they said, uh, are you going to go to church with us? And I said, yeah, I guess. And I kind of forgot what I had said the night before. And I went with them that evening. I sat in the very back row. Afterwards, during those days, we used to always have a, a prayer time at the front. And so my parents went up to pray, and I just sat there politely waiting for them to get done. And uh, this man, Solon Short's dad, Wayne Short, the one that I talked about giving the, the, the tongue in the middle of the funeral service, came back to the back row, and he said, uh, hey, Dave, are you, are you going through a struggle right now? And I said, no. And so he, okay, okay. So he walked away. And then he stopped, and he turned around, and he came back, and he said, I really feel God is telling me something. He's telling me that you're trying to figure out where he came from. And he wants you to know that he's like a perfect circle. He's never had a beginning. He's never had an end. And if you try on your own strength or own might or understanding to try and figure that out, you're going to become more and more confused. You have to take it by faith. And he walked away. Well, I lost it because nobody knew my thoughts the night before except God himself. And here God was. He knew exactly where I was at. He knew exactly what I was going through. And he sent someone to be his voice. So God speaks to us in a variety of ways. And, and I love all of those different ways. But what has been really on my heart these last few weeks has been the fact that God speaks to us through God ideas. And that's what's so absolutely amazing about the Lord is it's not, a, it's not a verbal voice that we hear, but it's God stirring our heart, stirring our spirit, and we get excited about what God is bringing to our mind. I want to give you a couple of biblical examples of this. Uh, the first one I find comes from Genesis chapter 24. Abraham 
is looking for a, a wife for his son Isaac. He doesn't want him to marry amongst the Canaanites, the daughters of the Canaanites. Rather, he wants his son to marry someone from his own home country. And so he calls his head servant in, and he makes him take a vow that he'll return to Abraham's homeland, and he'll find a wife for Isaac. This is what it says. Behold, well, let let me just back up a little bit here. He, He goes to this land with 10 camels loaded down with goods. I mean, whoever the prospective um, bride is going to be, she's going to be pretty rich. Her family's going to be pretty rich after this. And, and so they, he, he goes to this city looking for the right person with these 10 camels, and he has no idea where to begin. But he, his thought is, if I go to the city well, that's where the young women come to get water every day, and maybe there something will happen. So these are his words. Behold, I'm standing by the spring of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Let the young woman to whom I shall say, please let down your jar that I may drink, and who shall say, drink, and I'll water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your servant Isaac, and by this I shall know that you have shown steadfast love to my master. Well, that's... A God idea that pops into his head. He doesn't know where to start, but his, his thought is, okay, the, the first young lady that comes up to me, I'm going to ask her for a drink of water, and if she says, here, have a drink, oh, and by the way, I'll water your camels as well. Do you realize camels drink 52 gallons of water, and there's 10 of them? This is no small task, but she's being obedient to the prompting that she also feels in her spirit. And, and as a result of this, God is working. And Abraham's servant knows immediately that this is the one that the Lord has chosen. I absolutely love that because, you know, the Spirit of God prompting her created a huge inconvenience on her part. And, and can I just say to you that when it comes to the blessings of God in our life, oftentimes they're just on the other side of our obedience Or I might even say our inconvenience. And if we'll obey God, we'll be just exactly like Rebecca. We'll be blessed by God in supernatural ways. So God at times prompts us. It's not that he speaks to us. But there's a prompting that happens in our spirits. And we are excited because we know it's not from us. Here's a second example that comes to us from Scripture. It's from Nehemiah chapter 7. If you're familiar with this Old Testament story, God calls Nehemiah to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the city walls. The walls have been torn down for over 100 years. Every time they would start to rebuild them, the enemies would come along, tear them right back down again. And, and, and this man, Nehemiah, is able to do in 52 days what the people have not been able to do in 100 years. He rebuilds the walls. But the problem is all of the enemies of Israel are living around them, and if they don't have Jewish people that will come and fill the city of Jerusalem, then all their enemies will fill the city, and there'll be no room for them. So Nehemiah begins to pray and, and, and really seek the Lord on what to do. And when you come to Nehemiah chapter 7, this is what we read. Then my God 
put it into my heart to assemble the nobles and the officials and the people to be enrolled by genealogy. If you read it in the New Living Translation, it says, So my God gave me the idea to call together all the nobles and leaders of the city along with the ordinary citizens. So it was a God idea. And, and that's one of the ways that God inspires us. It's, it's one of the ways he speaks to us as he puts an idea into our heart. And, and there's something that comes to mind. And let me add this. A God idea is a thousand times better than a good idea. And, and that's why we need to learn to listen to God's promptings. There are some of you here, and I believe with all of my heart, that God is wanting to give you some supernatural ideas on how to move forward in your marriage, how to move forward at your workplace. God's wanting to give the leadership of this church and your pastor God ideas on how to reach the city of Bozeman and surrounding area with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be awesome if this was just one of three or four services that happened at this church? God can do that by giving God ideas, supernatural ideas on how to move forward. I love that. Now, usually you get God ideas by spending time in His presence. And then when God begins speaking to you, it takes boldness. It, it takes courage on your part to actually do something. For example, God might prompt you to encourage somebody. He might prompt you to pray for them. He might prompt you to write them a note of encouragement. He might even prompt you to give to them financially. Or God might simply put an idea into your heart, and you can't let go of it. It just keeps coming back to you, and try as you may, you can't escape what God is trying to say to you. You know, I, I love the fact that God does that. And that's exactly what he's doing in these scriptures. Here's a third one, Haggai chapter 1. This takes place actually before Nehemiah's time, before the city walls are completely rebuilt. And, and once again, God has prompted this man to be a part of rebuilding the walls and seeing what he can do. This is what it says. So the Lord sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltiel, the governor of Judah, and the enthusiasm of Jeshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people. They began to work on the house of their God, the Lord of heaven's armies. Now, I, I love this illustration here because this is the way God has, has put something into their heart by sparking their enthusiasm. And he does it with a variety of people. The word enthusiasm comes from the Greek word entheos, which means God is in it. And one of the ways I understand the prompting of the Lord is when I become very, very enthusiastic about something. So if I'm considering something and I'm praying and I'm, I'm studying the Word of God, I'm, I'm waiting on the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden this enthusiasm fills my heart, it causes me to believe that God may very well be in this. Now let me share some cautions with you on God ideas. I would say, number one, we need to realize they're not foolproof. Um, just because you feel really excited about something doesn't necessarily mean that it's from God. What you have to learn is how to hold things 
loosely. You know, one of the first rules of spiritual living when it comes to hearing from the Lord is that you might be wrong. And the art of spiritual maturity is is really sensing the leading of the Holy Spirit, realizing that you may make some mistakes along the way, but you're still willing to step out in faith. You see, if, if you're unwilling to take that risk, then you'll never be used by God. You'll never really move forward in Him. So we have to learn that some people refuse to step out because they're afraid that they might fail, and then God never uses them. There are times that you might sense something is of the Lord only to find out later that it wasn't of the Lord. Or maybe you thought it was going to go this direction, but the Lord's will was that it go this direction. That's why we hold loosely in our hand what we feel is from the Lord. You have to remember that. They're promptings from the Lord, and uh, promptings are not foolproof. Second, I would say this. They don't always happen at once. You, you might feel that this prompting is from the Lord, but that doesn't mean that it's for now or even that it's for the immediate future. God may be prompting you so that he can begin working in your life. He can prepare you for what he has for you down the road. You have to be okay with that. I, I go through Scripture, and I look at the many times God did this. He did it with uh, Moses. Moses had to wait 40 years before the things that he felt God had put in his heart, that he would be the deliverer of the um, Israeli people who were in bondage before it would ever happen. We, we look at Abraham. He had to wait 25 years before God prompted him and told him he was going to have a son before he actually did have a son. Joseph had to wait 22 years from the time that he had dreams that his brothers and his father were going to come and bow down before him. He didn't know what that meant, but in his dream he saw them bowing down before him. Instead he was made a slave and put in prison. But 22 years later, exactly what God had said to him came to pass. David had to wait 13 years from the time that he was anointed to be the next king over Israel until the time that it actually took place. So what God is putting in your heart may not be for today. It may not be for the immediate future. It may be 10, 20, 30, 40 years down the road, and you have to be okay with that. Third, I would say this, God's ideas are not completely spelled out. When God prompts you, he doesn't give you all the information, all the details that you would like to have. Now, when, when God prompts us, and you insist on having all those details before you'll do anything, you can forget walking by faith. It, it's actually easier to walk by faith if you have fewer details than if God were to tell you everything, because if he told you everything, it'd probably scare you half to death. Not knowing everything causes us to lean into God. It causes us to wait upon Him in dependence and trust. And so he, He's not going to give us everything we would like to know. It's a prompting, not a com comprehensive plan. Now, let, let me ask you a question. How do you know if it's God speaking to you or if it's you speaking to yourself? How do you know if it's from the Lord or if it's just something you really want to have happen? 
Here's a couple of things. God will never ask or tell you to do something that is against his word, the Bible. You know, there are a lot of Bible verses that tell us that certain things are sin. If we do them, we're sinning. There are other Bible verses that may not call something a sin, but it says if we do them, we are extremely unwise. And then there are places where we can't find anything that God says about a particular situation or circumstance. When that happens, what we have to do is we have to go to the principles of God's Word. We have to stand on what the entire book says, the idea of what it says, so that we can understand the heart of God. So God will never ask you to do something that goes contrary to His Word. Second, I would say this. When God inspires you or prompts you to do something, He's the one who will open the way. I think we heard that from Naomi this morning. If God prompts you to talk to somebody, you don't have to force yourself onto that person in order to talk to them. God will give you the opportunity. What you have to do is be ready for it. Our problem is often that we're afraid or we get too busy and we let the prompting pass. And then we miss out on what God wanted to do. Now, that having been said, maybe some of you, as you're, you're praying for someone, uh, maybe there's a sense in your heart that, that they're in a dangerous situation, and you're praying for safety, you're pay, praying for protection for them. Or again, maybe it's God prompting you to meet a need that they have going on in their life. You don't have to sit there and say, God, is this really from you? No, if, if it lines up with Scripture, it's from God. We can read passages like Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. So we can know when we're praying, when we're seeking God, and a prompting comes into our spirit that God wants us to take a step of faith. Number three, I would say this. God talks to our spirit, and when he does, you can't get away from it. Um, maybe, maybe the prompting comes when you're in God's presence and all of a sudden out of the blue a thought comes to you. You can't shake it. You can't get away from it. There's this feeling, I need to do this. Some people have said, and, and uh, I just felt this overwhelming urge in my spirit that I needed to leave this place immediately. I mean, that's often what happens. I, I've heard numerous testimonies of people interceding for missionaries, later to learn that, that that missionary, right in that very hour, right at that very moment, was in dire need of God's intervention. And yet people were prompted by the Holy Spirit to begin praying for them. Sometimes the Holy Spirit prompts us to pray, and um, I just love the stories that come as we're interceding, as we're lifting up people to hear how God was moving in those circumstances. We have to be very, very careful about following feelings. But let me say this. When you have walked with God for a period of time, when you spend time in His presence and in His Word, we can tell the difference between our own feelings and the Holy Spirit making us feel a certain way. So we have to listen to the Lord and respond. You don't have to knock doors open. You don't have to kick them down. If it's God prompting you, just get ready for how God wants to use you. 
Now, I want to share this story with you in closing uh, of a time that God prompted me, a time when I really felt that God gave me an idea. I was pastoring right outside of Spokane, Washington. I'd come from a church. Um, my very first church that I pastored was in a town where uh, my wife's family was from. I was farming there with my father-in-law. I'd got, gone to Bible college, but I had no intent of being a pastor. I just wanted to volunteer in the church and do everything I could to, to help the pastor. But uh, the Lord began making me come to a point, I guess, where I, I just was not being fulfilled by farming at all. I was working with the youth group. The youth group was growing. I was excited about what was happening. My heart was shifting. And when the lead pastor resigned, the board came and asked me if I would pastor the church. So it's a town of 300 people, but it was a great church, church of 110 people. So that was pretty great. And, and I was there for eight years as the lead pastor. During that time, I, I loved these people. I loved the play. I, I would have been there my whole life if God had that in store for me. But I knew everyone. I knew exactly where they were at spiritually, or at least for a pretty good portion of it. And, and I couldn't really give salvation messages. Nobody knew ever moved into town. When kids graduated from high school, they all moved out. And, and so I, I just, God, I'm, I'm dying on the vine. The, the greatest desire of my heart, if I'm going to do this thing called full-time ministry, is to see people come to know you as Lord and Savior. And so I said, Lord, either release me and let me go back to farming or move me to an area where I can be effective. Well, the Lord moved me to another area. I went from a town of 300 to a town of 3,800, big metropolis, right outside of Spokane. I was there for about a year, and the church had become very stable through that time, but we really weren't growing, and I really wasn't leading people to Christ. I, I worked on this beautiful three or five by eight glossy card. A friend of mine had done this and started a church in Post Falls, Idaho, and, and uh, it was just amazing what God did. Their first Sunday, they had 300 people. Within a year's time, they had 750 Four years' time, they had 1,750 and uh, just continued to grow. So I really worked hard on this glossy card. I even had a, a ministry, uh, Seventh-day Adventists had, um, had their headquarters not too far from where I lived, and, and the, uh, the head officer there wrote me and said, Dave, you did a fantastic job on that card. It was awesome. And very, very kind of him to do that. And I thought, wow, this is going to really help us. You know, people are going to come check us out. Well, we didn't have uh, the mail delivered to our residences. We had to go to the post office to get our mail. And so I went over to get my mail one day, and there were garbage cans next to where you'd sort your mail. And here they were, completely full of my 5 by 8 glossy cards. People weren't reading them. They were just chucking them as junk mail into the barrel. I was so discouraged. I walked back over to my office, and I shut the door, and I said, God, I, I came here because I really wanted to see people come to know you, and that's not really happening the way I want. I don't know what to do next. And all of a sudden, a God idea came. I knew that I knew that I knew it was the Lord. And what I felt in my spirit was the Lord saying, I have all kinds of people around you that I would bring to you if I knew they wouldn't get hurt. 
And that, that just, I couldn't get away from that. I started talking on Sunday mornings to the congregation about loving people. This was in the uh, early 90s. And um, I said, well, what are you going to do when somebody comes, you know, spiked hair was real popular then, green or red, and um, tattoos all over the body weren't popular. Uh, people that had tattoos were either in prison, the military, or they were bikers. And um, I said, what are you going to do when people start coming to our church like this? How are you going to respond to them? And I, I really started challenging the people, you need to be the very first one to go right over to them. Don't just say, hi, it's, I'm glad you're here. Put your arm around them. Tell them that you, you love the fact that they're there and sit with them, engage with them, help them in whatever way you can. And I taught and I taught and I taught and I taught on this, and then God began opening the door. We had a Teen Challenge Center in Spokane, and and the director and I were good friends, and he said, Dave, um, we have about 20 guys that don't travel with us on weekends when we're itinerating, and we, we only take five or six with us. Could, could those 20 guys start coming to your church? I said, Absolutely. So every Sunday morning, right on the very front row, we'd have 20 guys in white shirts and ties on. People would walk in and say, wow, what are all these Mormon missionaries doing here? But, you know, it was great. People, a few people revolted against that. I don't feel safe having these guys here. I don't want them around my children. And I explained to them the, the ground rules that we had established, that they go two by two everywhere. And if they were ever caught by themselves, they, they would be disciplined and asked to leave. So they were good with that. It wasn't very long after that that a chaplain started attending my church. He was chaplain at a local prison. And he said, hey, would you guys consider sending people on Sunday afternoons to share? And I said, absolutely. So we had a good group of people that would go every Sunday afternoon and share in this minimum security prison. It was co-ed. And um, a lot of the prisoners started getting saved. And they wanted to get baptized. And so the chaplain went to the warden of the prison and said, would you let them go to Lake City Assembly Church and be baptized, you know, like once a month, those that want to be? And the warden said, sure. And so on Sunday nights, we would have all their relatives, all their friends coming to see them get baptized. The place was just packed out on Sundays. And um, guards would be at every entrance with shotguns standing there. It was a pretty different environment. But the excitement was so awesome. And it wasn't long uh, before a lot of them got out of prison. They needed a church to attend, so they started attending our church. And it started changing the dynamic. It wasn't that we were just reaching out to people that had life-altering situations going on. That attracted other people. The stories were just amazing. Um, fellow that was an entrepreneur building car washes all over the nation and uh, he, he had a PhD in philosophy, had taught for years at the college level. He started coming with his wife, and he, he told me, Dave, I, I don't believe like you do at all, and I hope that doesn't offend you. And I said, no, it doesn't offend me at all. I, I want you to come with your wife. And he said, well, my wife is a totally different person. And, and I, I mean, she's, she's absolutely changed from the way she used to be. 
And I'm, I'm really excited about what's happening. This is really good for her. But he would come every single Sunday with her. And I thought, man, this is awesome because he's hearing the gospel message. He's hearing about the love of Jesus. And the, and the stories like that just started happening every single week that God was dealing with people and bringing people to the church. And I simply share that with you this morning to say, God has some ideas that he wants to put into your heart, not just for your own individual life, but for the life of this church. It's one of the ways he speaks to us, and we need to hunger for that. We need to desire that and say, God, give me some supernatural ideas on how you want to impact this city, how you want to touch lives. I just challenge you this morning that as God begins to do that, just like he did Nehemiah, so my God gave me the idea that he'll put those things into your heart. And as he does that, as he begins prompting you, that you will be obedient in the prompting, you will be bold in the prompting, and your faith will be built through the prompting. I believe that's what God wants to do. So this morning, as we close in prayer together, can I just challenge you? God, give me some supernatural ideas. Whatever it is you're faced with, whatever it is you're going through, God, give me supernatural ideas on how I can move forward in victory. And pray for your church, that God will speak to the leadership, that God will speak to your lead pastor and give them supernatural ideas on what they can do to be effective in this city. Would you join me in prayer as we do that? Father, I just want to say thank you that you're wanting to speak to us today. And I'm praying, Lord, that we will learn to discern the many, many different ways that you do speak. Thank you for God promptings. Thank you, Lord, that you can, you can give God ideas to each one of us as we're desiring to hear from you, Lord, as we're desiring to be led by you, that you can begin giving us ideas for moving forward. Lord, I thank you that you love us. I thank you there's not a situation that goes on in our lives that you're not aware of and that you're wanting to speak, that you're wanting to strengthen us, to help us, to heal us, to move us forward in your power. So, Lord, I pray that today over my brothers and sisters that are here that you will continue to minister. And, Lord God, that as we step out in faith, as we learn to be obedient to your voice, that we will see your mighty hand at work among us. Father, we give you thanks and praise for these things, and we do it in the powerful name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Amen. Dave, just before you, before you, before you go, can I ask you a question? I was, I was thinking about this when you were sharing, and... Um, I feel like your message is right where we're, we're living at here at Connect. So, timely message, thank you. Um, one of the things I was thinking about is, um, I'm a musician, and I remember, I have this distinct memory as a, as a high schooler, uh, being in a band practice, and uh, it, was, it was the season of the Olympics. And everybody was so excited when an Olympian would get a 9.9 .9 or a 9.8. And I remember this particular rehearsal, our band director said to us students, that's great for athletes, but for musicians, it's got to be a perfect 10. And that's how I've been raised. 
um, that's, that's a, that was a defining moment in my life. I hate making mistakes. And I think there's a lot of us that when it comes to hearing God speak, we're paralyzed by the fear of making a mistake. Could you just share with us just briefly, how do you get past that fear of being wrong? Well, I, I think we're learning uh, more today on how to phrase things. Back, back in the day when I was growing up, it was uh, God told me to tell you, or thus saith the Lord. Well, how can you argue with the Lord? Um, but, but if somebody says, you know, I really feel impressed in my heart that this is the case, you, you could be wrong. And the person, no, that, you know, that doesn't resonate with me. And, and it's not weird. It's not really uncomfortable because you're, you're giving them a way out um, just like I did with Wayne Short. You know, are you going through a struggle right now? No, I'm not. He didn't know what else to say. But fortunately, the Holy Spirit just kept stirring him, and that idea that popped into his mind, he couldn't get away from. So he came back to me to say, well, this is what I feel God is doing and saying to you. And, and so that's my challenge to you when it comes to stepping out in faith, is, is don't, don't make it say, well, God told me to tell you, but rather go, you know, I feel this impression in my heart that God has this for you. And I, I love the way the Lord does that. I, I've been in so many times in my life where you know, some people have come and shared things with me that weren't on at all, and that was okay. I wasn't mad at them or anything like that. But more times than not, people came and shared things with me that I knew only came from God. And it strengthened my faith and encouraged me, and it led me to want to do the same to help others. So that would be my, my um, advice is the way we approach and say things is very, very important. Yeah. Dave, thank you. I'm so glad you were here today. Would, would you thank him, thank connectors, you. and just so grateful.